0: Spring of Life Fellowship and the vision of changing the world invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Let's listen to our guest. Excited to be here always to share. I love Wednesday nights. Um, not that I don't love Sunday mornings, I love those too. But Wednesday nights are, are awesome because sometimes they're just uh, a little smaller and, and I like smaller settings sometimes because it makes it more intimate. Um, makes it more close and, and real. So I even love sharing in those home meetings. I mean, some the biggest move of God's in my life happened in those home meetings. I got saved. I got, I got delivered in those places. I even, I even started in a small youth group. Um, that it was, it wasn't that many people, but then it blew up to be a lot of youth on fire for God. So uh, expect big things, and even in a small setting like this, because there's a big God in this place. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Father, we give you thanks for this uh, great day, Lord. Uh, It's the day you've made, and we choose to rejoice and be glad in it, Father. And Father, I pray that you just prepare the hearts of all those that are gathered here in your name, Father. I pray you take out all distraction, Lord, all worry, all anxiety, and that today, God, you may have a word, Father God, that will penetrate our hearts, Lord, that will challenge us, Father God, to do what we're called to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, so uh, I've got my friend up here. His name is Felipe. And uh, I'm going to talk about him later on. People at Living Stones know who this guy is. Very famous fish. It's a world-changing fish for real. You're going to know that because you're going to hear the story later on. And don't worry, Livingstones, we're going to take care of him. And uh, today's message is called My Brother's keeper, and uh, I want you to tell your neighbor, now hold on a second, your, if you're a guy, you're going to tell your brother, your guy neighbor, you're going to tell him, I'm your brother's keeper, and if it's a girl, you're going to tell him, I'm your sister's keeper, go ahead and find someone and tell them, and go ahead and tell someone else that you didn't say, I'm also your brother's keeper, I'm also your sister's keeper, that's right, all right, You have no idea what you just told your neighbor and what you've just committed to because it is a huge calling to be called my brother's keeper. And uh, the word keeper, if you're taking notes, is to watch over and defend, especially from danger or harm. So it's to oversee someone's life. And it's to take care of them, defend them, to protect them, oversee them as in keeping just like a, a... A shepherd takes care of his sheep same way and so that's what my brother's keeper is just like a a zookeeper he oversees the zoo and uh, he defends all the animals from danger or harm and takes care of them same way again like a shepherd does the sheep and why because he's the overseer he takes care of them he feeds them that's the the job of a zookeeper the doorkeeper He's the overseer of the door. We feel safe in here because we've got incredible big men like Gary outside standing there. Not, no one is going to come inside here because we have an incredible doorkeeper there. And so uh, doorkeepers are very important. Um, We have gatekeepers. Now, gatekeepers, you've got doorkeepers, and then in front of the doors, you've got these gates way up ahead, and you've got gatekeepers that take care of the gates, and they defend it. They're the protector of that gate, Uh, and they'll do whatever it takes. They'll lay down their life, but they will not allow it if they're faithful to their position. There's storekeepers, people that take care of their stores, and they take care of it as if it's their own. You have beekeepers. I didn't even notice. I looked it up. I guess people that take care of bees, right? There's everything, all types of keepers. And uh, there's bookkeepers, people that take care of your books financially, right? And in in a business, you need to have a bookkeeper because if they don't take care of your books, you know you're going to be in a a big mess later on. They're going to help you budget, and uh, they're going to defend you. They're going to take care of you. You need a bookkeeper. Um, I'm in sports, and you need a scorekeeper. That's right. You need an official scorekeeper because there's some people that love to cheat, and I never wanted to be part of that. So, I wanted an official scorekeeper so that nobody knows that I'm saying that nobody knows that I was lying, I was saying the truth. Um, and so, but Jesus is not looking for a zookeeper, He's not looking for scorekeepers, bookkeepers. We've got all those things already, we've got plenty of those. Jesus is looking for a true brother's keeper, and uh, one day. Jesus will come in his glory with all the angels and he will sit on the throne of his glory. And he's going to separate the sheep from the goats. That's what the Bible says. He says he's going to put the sheep at his right hand and he's going to put the goats at his left hand. And so if we had to divide this church into two right now, we've got two sections. And so let's pretend we've got on the right hand over here and this is the throne up here. And so we've got on the right, we've got the sheep. And I'm sorry, just for illustration, you are the goats. And so let's Let's hear what the, what the word says in Matthew 25, verse 34. This is what Jesus will say, the king will say to those that are on his right hand. 25, verse 34, sorry. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, come you blessed Of my father and inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world you are blessed you are blessed because you were separated as sheep you were separated from the goats and so um, in verse 35 it says for I was hungry and you gave me food you guys did what you were told you guys served you gave it your all I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in, verse 36. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And I'll tell you, it's not just, and if you go back to that previous verse, it's not just those that hunger for physical food. But when I was hungry spiritually, you fed those that were hungry, that were looking and searching for an answer. When those that were thirsty and looking and trying everything they can find and, and look for all they can in this world that it has to offer, and they don't find satisfaction, when they were thirsty, you gave them to drink. You gave them to give. You gave them spring of waters, a spring of life in their life. And so, um, that is the reward that God gives us. But what do all these have in common, all these actions? It has nothing, here's the answer, it has nothing to do about us. It has everything to do about others. That's what all these actions have to do. Because it wasn't when I was hungry, it's when those that were not hungry, you fed them. Because I'm always hungry, I'm always thirsty, I'm always eating. But how about those that don't? See, I'm always getting filled when I come to church. Man, and I'll tell you, I'm living the life because I'm receiving the goods here in this church. That's living the life because you are receiving good. But we're not to be just these fat sheep that are just getting big. No, we've got to get a workout and run and go share what God has given us. And feed those that are hungry. Feed those that are thirsty. That's our calling. And it has nothing to do about us. Philippians 2 verse 3. That we don't do something out of our selfish ambition. We need to live a selfless life. God's called us to be our brother's keeper. And so uh, in Philippians 2 verse 3, it says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in loneliness of mind, let each esteem others better. Better than ourselves. Man, we treat ourselves so good. But God is telling us to treat others better than you treat yourself. That's big. That's our calling. That's where God separates separates the sheep from the goats are those that say, it's not about me, it's about other people. And I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be selfish. I'm going to esteem others better than myself. That's a true brother's keeper. A brother's keeper puts his brother first before himself. If you're taking notes, you want to write that. Because it's a hard thing to write. It's a hard thing to do. It's easy to write. But you got to live this, that you put your brother, you put your sister before yourself. He cares for him. He cares for her. He serves him. He lays down his life for him. That's a huge calling. And we know that this is love, the Bible says. The Bible says because he laid down his life for us, we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers and the sisters. Because he did it for us. He laid it all down. We didn't deserve it, did we? You say this world doesn't deserve it? This world doesn't deserve my help. They're they're just rude. They're, they're, They're lost. They're doing all the wrong things. Why should I help them? Let me help the people in the house. That's good. No. Because even though you were a sinner, even though you were in the pit, Jesus laid down his life for you. You are to lay your life for the brothers, for the sisters. You are to fight. And give it your all for them. Lay down your life. That's a true brother's keeper. The phrase, my brother's keeper, it originates. And it's a very famous word even in our culture, in the world. They, they, um, people talk about it. Being a brother's keeper. People that just take care of each other. And it and, and originates, it all originates from the Bible in the book of Genesis 4. When God interrogates Cain, he questions him. After killing his brother, he didn't want, you see, Cain didn't want to take responsibility because he gave, he didn't give his best to God. He didn't give the offering that pleased God. And instead, he got angry with God. He got angry with God and he ended up killing his brother, Abel. And so in Genesis 4 verse 9, the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? Where is he? You killed him. And he said, this was his answer, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? It was a sarcastic remark. It was a a sarcastic question. I don't know where he's at. Am I my brother's keeper? Am I the one that's supposed to oversee his life? Am I the one that's supposed to take care of him? Shouldn't he be taking care of me? He's the one you found favor with. And so God didn't find too much enthusiasm with that. And cursed him. And so, I asked the, you asked the question today, and you should ask yourself Am I my brother's keeper? Am I my sister's keeper? Ladies, ask yourself that. Are you really your brother's, your sister's keeper because you lay down your life because they first, they come first before yourselves, because you care about them, you serve them, you lay it all down like Christ did. I'll tell you something, I have found the most incredible thing in the body of Christ. The body of Christ is this incredible support system, because it's a support system of brother keepers, of sister keepers, that they care for you, they pray for you, they weep with you, they laugh with you, they encourage you. They correct you. They instruct you. That's what the body of Christ is. It's a group. It's a team of brother keepers and sister keepers. That's what this is. A bunch of selfless people. People that it's not about them, but it's about others. Man, I was, recently I shared up here in the pulpit about what was been going on with Matthew and his eye. And I tell you, and and the fact that he got hit and I took him to the eye doctor and it was something we were really freaking out about. And we, and we, um, uh, his pressure was really high. They said it could get very severe. And man, I thank God for the incredible body of Christ we have. Because I couldn't have been more encouraged than people coming up to me and saying, I'm praying for you. Just the fact that they're asking and following up, how's he doing? You have no idea what that means. And I won't trade anything. I won't trade anything for anything in this world. Than that, I'll take that over anything. We need the body of Christ. And I'll tell you just to give a good praise report, he's back to normal. God is good. But we need that. I had a bunch of brother keepers in this place, sister keepers, telling me, hey, don't worry. God's in control. That's not even talk about the fact that it's going to get the pressure's going to get high it's going to go down in the name of Jesus and I believe that with them they're there because they, they they care about you they pray for you Proverbs 18 verse 24 a man who finds a man who has friends must himself be friendly but there is a friend Listen to this verse. I know you've heard it a thousand times. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Before you say amen, think about this. Because you really would say amen if you understood this. See, there is a brother, a blood brother or a sister you may have. But there's something called like a true friend that he will stick even closer than a brother. And you find that in the body of Christ. That's why we call each other brothers and sisters. Because we... Stick closer than even a true blood brother that sometimes they won't stick close. You understand that? You sometimes won't find what you find here. You won't find that elsewhere. Am I my brother's keeper? Am I my sister's keeper? Philippians 3, verse 15. It says, therefore, let us as many as are mature. And there's a key word there, mature. Let as many that are mature have this in mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. So even though you don't get it, God's going to reveal it to you right now. Verse 16. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind verse 17 listen to this here's paul saying brothers sisters join in following my example he's telling the brothers and sisters He's saying brethren join in following my example that's how you're going to join by following an example and no Those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. You're going to walk in such a way that there is a pattern in this place. There's something special about spring of life. I've known a lot of people. I've known a lot of churches. Not that we're perfect. God's perfecting us. But there's something powerful. There's something incredible, refreshing about this place. And that's that we really have a pattern in this place to raise up men, godly men, to train them up, to strengthen families, to restore marriages. There is a pattern. There is an example in this place. And Paul is saying for you to join in following that example. So you know you have that, right? The question is, are you going to bring people to the pattern? Are you going to bring people to join and follow this example? This is part of our calling, Ephesians 4.13. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. To a perfect man. Until we get there, to be a perfect man. Perfect meaning mature. That you become a mature man. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. God is looking for those that strive for that. That's excellence. And that example is found here. We're not perfect, but we're striving for that. We're striving to mature. We're striving to reach the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. For the last several weeks, um, we've been sharing on Wednesday nights the life of Abraham. And we've been going through, we've learned so many great things. I love the fact that we we learned about building an altar, like Abraham built an altar, and uh, and so we we want to continue in the story, and I'm just going to share just the very next part of that story. It's very brief, um, and it's and it's found when when Lot was pitching his tent near Sodom, and. Um, as Lot was pitching his tent near Sodom. So you guys know Sodom and Gomorrah was this place that was a very sinful place. It was a very wicked place. And so the Bible says he pitched it near Sodom. That's a mistake at first, to, to pitch your tent near sin, near wickedness. Because when you do anything near that, you will eventually be involved in that. And that's what happened to, to Lot. He eventually got involved in that um, and it, it happened. It, it's incredible where you pitch your tent. And I shared that like five years ago with the youth. And I brought a huge tent out here, and uh, uh, and and, 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 the, and the name of the preaching was "Where are you pitching your tent?" Because Abraham chose to pitch his tent elsewhere, but Lot chose to pitch his tent. He chose to pitch his tent near Sodom, and there was wickedness in that land, and uh, that got him in trouble. But the the part I want to share is right after that story, and that's when um, the 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 uh, Sodom and Gomorrah was invaded by uh, several kings, and they took many captive, and those being captive was Lot, um, and who was at Sodom at that time, so he was in Sodom, the kings came, they, they, they took a lot of stuff captive, including Lot, and, uh, and so let's go to Genesis chapter 14, verse 11, Then they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their provisions and went their way. Next verse. They also took Lot, Abraham's Abraham's brother, brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom and his goods and departed. Now, now the news got to Abraham. And I love the response of Abraham, the immediate response of him. Let's, Let's jump to 14. So we know that Lot is um, Abraham's nephew. And so understand that for a second. This is Abraham's nephew. Now when Abraham heard that his brother, there's a key word in there. See, he didn't call him his nephew anymore. He didn't call him somebody of his. This was his brother. When he heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his 318 Trained servants who were born in his own house and went in pursuit as far as Dan. There's a huge key word there. And that's the word trained. He, He grabbed and gathered his trained, 318 trained men. His servants who were born in his house. They were of the house. And I'll tell you, We are training up men in this house. We're training men in this house every Monday night. We're training them to go fight the battle. We've got women that are encouraging one another Monday nights, Wednesday mornings. And and these men, they, they were trained servants and that were part of the house, and they went in pursuit as far as then. they went to a place, as far as it took, it didn't matter how far it went, verse 15, he divided his forces against them by night, and he and his servants attacked them, and pursued them as far as Hoba, which is north of Damascus, listen, he, t- he did whatever it took, He did whatever it took sending people this way, sending people that way. But I want you to rescue Lot. I want you to rescue my brother. I'll tell you, a big calling of our church, a big vision of our church, a part of our vision is to go save those men. God is calling to train men, but not just to train them for nothing in vain, but to train them to make a difference in their home and then to go rescue other men. And so this was a, a, a mission that seemed so impossible. But they were able to save. In verse 16 it says he brought back all the goods and also brought back his brother Lot and his goods as well as the women and the people. A brother's keeper, listen to this, a brother's keeper will gather up trained men. And fight for you. That's what a brother's keeper will do. He will gather up trained men and fight for you. A brother's keeper will fight to rescue others. God's calling you to go fight that battle. God's calling you, those that are trained, those that are spiritually mature, to go out there and rescue men. Rescue them. From the destruction that they're in. Abraham went and rescued Lot from his captors. But he didn't do it alone. He did it with 318 trained men. And many, if not all of us, have family members in need of rescue. A lot of us have co-workers that are looking for an answer. You see their lives. You see their marriages. You see the destruction. But what are we doing about it? What are you doing about it? We see people in our neighborhood. You see husbands walking out on wives. You see children running away from home. God's calling you to rescue them, there's a rescue mission. And Jesus, just like Abraham, is in the business of rescuing people. He's in the business of rescuing men, rescuing families. And we have an opportunity to participate with him in this rescue mission. Part of the vision and the purpose of this church is to provide the training needed, like I said. That's part of the vision of this church. And when Jesus calls our men to mission, we're able to participate with him in changing the world, in changing our city. In changing those around us. Now it's important when you go out there. The Bible says in Galatians 6 verse 1. It says brothers and sisters listen up. Brethren listen up. If a man is overtaken in any trespass. That means if you see a brother of yours. Someone that you know that's living in sin or has fallen away. You who are spiritual. In other words you who are spiritually mature. Very important. Restore that person with a spirit of gentleness. Considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Take care of yourself. Be careful so that you don't fall in the same sin that they're in. God's calling you to go rescue those people, but He's calling those that are spiritually mature, those that can go out there in the battle, those that can share with a spirit of gentleness. And those that won't fall in that trap, but will rescue them instead. So there's two things to learn from here, from this part. One is that, yes, God is calling those that are spiritually mature to go out there and fight the battle and to go rescue those. But if you're not spiritually mature, if if you feel, I'm not equipped, I'm not trained enough to go do that, then get trained. Then get equipped. You've got the goods in this house. You've got the resources that you need. There is no excuses. This is the calling of our church. It's not to sit down in a chair and just warm up a seat. But we really are called to change the world. All of you. It's not just our pastor that's traveling now changing the world. All of you are to continue in that calling. So, I brought with you my friend Felipe. I told you I was going to talk about him. And um, when we look at Felipe, and he's got a name because we Livingstones gave him a name, and he was worth the name because if I tell you what happened, which you're going to find out in just a second, you say he's worth having a name, and uh, he's truly a world-changing fish. But I want to talk about fish for a second. When you look at this fishbowl, you see an environment where fish have their oxygen. This is where they breathe their water. They need their water in order to live. In this place, in this environment, here is where they're taken care of. Here is where they're fed. Here is where they live. Felipe is... His, his survived an incredible accident over two and a half years ago, where we grabbed him and we threw him in the crowd, along with his friend Chencho. Now they both survived that day, and I'll tell you the story in just a second. They both survived, and uh, but uh, Chencho uh, died about a year and a half ago, and uh, we flushed him down the toilet. That's what we do with fish when they die. Um, and uh, I told the kids today. I told the kids last night, I'm going to throw the fish I'm going to use. No, don't throw him. Now he means something. And so I'm not going to do that tonight um, because uh, Felipe means a lot to the family now. And um, this is our only pet. There's no pets allowed in our house except Felipe. But there's something incredible to learn about this, that Felipe or fish live inside this contained environment. And they find all that they need in order to live. They find their oxygen. And so I I grabbed this fish that day and I had him in my hand. And I said, listen, maybe this is a friend of yours that you invited to youth group that night. Or you invited to church here tonight. And you brought him to church. And now you've given him an opportunity to have life, to experience Jesus And so I I grabbed the fish again. And I said, what happens if I throw this fish? And I threw him. And I grabbed the other one and I threw it. And this one went really far. Chencho went really far. That's probably why he had less life. Um, But I asked, is anybody going to save these fish? And everybody's just sitting around. Saying, what in the world is this? I've come to church and fish are flying everywhere. And now they're asking me to go grab the fish. But there was two young individuals. It was Corey and Andrea, the only brave ones to get up, grab the fish. They ran up and they saved the fish, the two fish, and they put them here. And thank God the fish stayed alive. But the rest of them just sat there. The rest of them didn't do anything to save the fish's life. But what happens when you take this fish out? It has no oxygen. It's dying. It's it's searching. It's gasping. I need water. I need my environment. I need an answer. And they're dying and dying. But many people just sit around in their chair watching these people die. Many people sit in their chair and there's very few people that will get up and rescue these people. There are very few people that will get up and rescue these families, that would rescue these marriages. But a lot of us will see them dying all around us. We'll see marriages getting destroyed all around us. You see it with your own eyes, but you don't do anything about it. You do nothing but sit there and you say, and you say I'm not going to get up because if I get up, I'm going to look dumb doing it. What are they going to say about it if I just go up picking up a fish and throwing it in there? What am I going to say if I tell them that, hey, Jesus can save your marriage? Oh, really? Now when it's all destroyed? Yes. A lot of us put excuses. A lot of us put fear in the way. And instead we need to have faith instead of fear. To have faith that that fish can still have life, that that marriage can still have life in it, but you must hurry before it dies. Because a lot of us just wait and it's just too late. And you had the chance to do it. And, you, and, and some of us say, "I wish I would have done it at the right time." How many have been there? I've been there. Where I, I said, "I wish I would have just told that person, and now they're destroyed. A lot of us just sit around. A lot of us don't do what God's called us to do. And I'll tell you, these were two brave women that stood up and did this. But I'll I'll tell you, I congratulate them, but I'm tired of the women that are the ones fighting. We need to see men in this city fight. And I'll tell you, it's going to start by training men in this church. To stand up and fight. Too too many women are fighting for their husbands' salvation. We should be the men that are going to go fight and bring those husbands to church. Get those husbands to know who Jesus is, so that they can reach the fullness and the maturity of Christ, so that God can restore their marriage. And God's training you to do that. Maybe you sit there and you say, "I'm embarrassed." It doesn't look cool. Or I'm not going to save a little fish that's worth 50 cents. I'll tell you, you're worth nothing. The Bible compares us to being a filthy rag. And yet God found so much worth in you and gave it all for you. And he laid it all down for you. What will we do? I'm going to tell you something, this is happening every day, all around us. It's happening every day, all around us in our jobs, young people in your schools. It's happening in our surroundings. Everywhere we go, we see fish dying, searching for oxygen, searching for answers. They're grabbing books. They're going to to, um, counselors. They're looking for whatever it takes. But they don't find the truth. They don't find the answer. Because they're waiting for someone to rise up and give them life. I love always giving the statistic about this book. How powerful it is in this world, on this earth. Sometimes we don't understand the power of this word. And just the word that you share that comes from here can change an entire life, an entire marriage when it's put into action. There's so much power in this. And this world is starting to see, and I'll tell you how. I'll tell you how they they see this. You know that every single month, this book is the number one book in the New York top seller. By far, destroys all the books. By far, not not even close. I forgot the number. It's a huge amount. It's like in the the hundreds of thousands compared to the next book, which may be in the 10,000s. Whatever it is, it, blew, it even blew the books when Harry Potter was out. It, it still surpassed it. Why are so many people buying books? And by the way, the New York bestseller said, we can't put this. It, just, it was on the top charts every month, every month, every month. They said, we just got to take it out and let other people compete. And it's still the top seller. They just don't put it there. But you look it up, it's still there. And the New York, um, uh, they, they, they put it. There's an article on it. You can look it up. And they say they, they don't put it up anymore. But why does it sell so much? Is it a bunch of Christians just buying more Bibles and stocking them up in their house? No. You know what it is? This world's searching for answers. And when they they just read this, and they're not saved, but they, they open up this book and they start reading this, and they're like, hey, let's just try what this says, and they see that it works. They finally found something that works. They apply the principles that are here, and they get to know about a God, and when they get to know about a God, it'll change their world upside down. But that's why. Because this world is hurrying, looking for answers. And when they find it in here, there's so much power. It's the only book that's alive. Jesus is the word. And if he says, I've come to give life and life in abundance, then this is life. And it's life in abundance. And we are to give it freely. We are to use this as how, how um, Abraham grabbed his men and they were armed. This is your armor. You are totally equipped with this. You are totally equipped with what's been taught in this place. You have more than enough. You say, I'm not qualified. Neither were so many people in the Bible. Gideon said I wasn't qualified. He said, I'm the weakest in the clan. And God was able to use a man like him and just a few hundred men. How about you? But we don't do anything because we're shocked we sit there shocked what's going on who's going to pick up the fish ha no kidding. she's doing it there's a reward for that because many people said oh he's dead already he threw he, he went 30 feet that way it's gone besides looking like a fool what's the point i'm going to look like a fool trying to save it and nothing's going to happen the fish lived i know it's just a fish it's a 50 cent fish but we're not talking about a 50 cent marriage we're talking about something so precious. We're talking about the greatest treasure that God could ever give us on this earth. He's given us family. Amen. That's incredible. I'll tell you, I don't treasure anything else that God has given me than that. But we, 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 we're, there, we're there afraid with fear. And we say it's impossible. Look, they're dead. I'm not going to do anything about it. But for God, all things are possible. I've seen dead marriages come to life. And it took a brother's keeper. It took a sister's keeper. It took a body of believers to fight together, to believe, to trust, to to encourage, to lift up. That's what a brother's keeper does. I want to challenge you tonight. We can have the uh, worship team come up. I want to challenge you tonight to give fish life. I'm not talking about these kind of fish. I'm talking about the fish that Jesus said when he said, I want to call you to be, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And so I want to challenge you tonight to give fish life. Understand that concept. You are called to give fish life. If you don't put them in the environment that they belong, if you don't bring them in the environment of church where they're surrounded with godly people, if you don't bring them in the environment where the word of God is preached, if you don't bring them in the environment of God and you don't feed them while they're in that environment, then they're going to go out there and just die. God is calling you to rescue. God is calling you to bring them into the house, to train them, to feed them. And so God can create more warriors, build up more warriors, and, go change, and continue to go change the world. Don't just sit here tonight and say, oh, that was just a cool illustration. Oh, that was just such a cool thing, throwing the fish everywhere and just, whoo. No, don't, leave here being challenged, saying, I'm going to do something. Everybody knows of somebody in this place. Everybody knows of maybe some couple, some family that you haven't reached out to and God's calling you like Abraham to go and rescue them. You've been trained. And that, and, and I'll tell you, the reason I did this tonight is because this is happening every single day all around us, all around the world, in your very schools, in your very jobs. In your surroundings. And they're looking for something. They're looking. They're waiting for someone to reach out. But some of us sit there and just do absolutely nothing. Just look around. And they're afraid. And they'll say, what do other people think of us? Or they'll say, enough people are saving people. Enough people are saving. The pastors are doing that. The leaders are doing that. So let them do that job. No, God's called you to do it. I'll be okay. I'll do nothing. I'm challenging you tonight to not just sit there and do nothing, but to stand up. Let's stand up. That's an action to do standing up. To stand up. That's the first step. And say, I'm going to go save some fish. I'm going to go be my brother's keeper. There's people even dying within the church. Thank God they're here. They're in the fishbowl and they're dying. But our job is to take care of them. To nurture them. To encourage them. To lift them up. To give them hope. The word. To give them life. Don't just sit there and watch another marriage be destroyed. Don't just see it get destroyed. Or another friend whoever that may be in your life or a coworker, a classmate a family member Jesus called you to be a fisher of men tonight as we uh, stand here in this place and you've taken that first step I'll tell you I want you to get together with a brother if you're a man in this place and a sister if you're a sister in this place get, like, get, get into like twos, threes, fours and I encourage you to, to pray for your brothers. And it's a, I'll tell you, it's a great opportunity if any one of you in your group say, hey, I need prayer, and to pray for something. Encourage them. Give them a word. This is what being in church is all about, being our brother's keeper. And tell them, hey, listen, I want to be your brother's keeper. I want to care for you. I want to have faith with you. I want to fight the battles with you. I loved it when I when people came up to me and say, I'm praying for you. We need more of that in the church. So tonight, as the as musicians sing a song, right where you're at, I want you, you can go ahead and gather up with a few men, two, three, four. Find as many as you can, as many as you want. You can do threes, fours. Ladies, get together. And I don't mean to separate you couples. It's important you you guys pray together. But today's about being my brother's keeper and being my sister's keeper. Ladies, you need sisters in your life. They're all around you here. If it wasn't for the sisters in this house, I don't know what my wife would do. She needs the sisters in this house. And so do you. Encourage one another. Open up to one another. Pray for one another. Say, what can I pray about for you? Or if you need to open up and tell them, this is what I have. That's with a brother's keeper. Don't be a zookeeper to take care of some animals. You're not taking care of animals. You're taking care of your brother. As we sing this song, go ahead and pray. And we'll do this for the next couple of minutes. Thank you, Jesus. Let's find our seats. Let's stay standing. Let's get back to our place so we can close in prayer. It's important that we all leave here knowing this truth that Jesus... Is your brother's keeper. uh, God called Abraham his friend. There's power behind that. Calling you his true friend means he will stick to you closer than a blood brother. He's my brother's keeper. He's your brother's keeper. And I thank God because no better brother's keeper than that. He's always got my back. He's always overseeing my life. He's always protecting me. He's always nurturing me, always providing for me. I trust in him. This fish trusts in that I feed him every day. I trust that God feeds me every day. You should trust God feeds you every day and that his provision, that your provision comes from him. All of it. He's a good God. Because he keeps you he takes care of you like a shepherd takes care of his sheep thank you father for this day thank you god for your word in this place and i pray god that we may take this word that it may be lord as a seed not just planted in our hearts but it bear fruit that we may take it and grab it and share the seed with others father god that we may be like abraham that rescued his brother lot That he may go and fight and do whatever it takes to rescue men. Rescue men from destruction. Rescue marriages from destruction. That we may help restore families. That we may be in this rescue mission with you, Jesus. We are called. We are trained. We are spiritually mature and ready to stand up and change this world, God use us father god thank you god for those that are in this place thank you for all those that have been brothers and sisters brother keepers and sister keepers in this place you've called some in here lord that are have been incredible encouragers you've called incredible prayer warriors in this place you've called incredible teachers in this place incredible pastors incredible servants an incredible powerful body of Christ and we thank you for that thank you for making this our environment Lord where we are where we receive our oxygen where we receive our life where we are fed the word of God where we are fed the truths where we are trained where we are strengthened and that we are built to go change the world Lord in Jesus name we pray Amen Hallelujah.